Human communication is 45% tone of voice, 45% body language, and only 10% words. Yeah. And what you said is, you know, people are kind of logical, but very emotional. The tone of voice and the way that you look, that appeals to the emotional side of the brain. And then you need to have good words that are logical. Here's the thing that you need to really understand. I'm not saying that the words don't matter. They only matter 10%. In fact, the words matter 100% when you're speaking. The thing is you're communicating often with Without speaking. Yes. So at one point, you make $22 million in three hours on this IPO of Steve Madden's shoes. And then you need to open up a Swiss bank account to put all the money in. So you put it in an aunt's name. But your aunt didn't know about it, right? No, she knew. She, about knew. It. she knew. But then you go on this boat. And you're, you get word that your aunt died? No, no, no. no. See, I got the timeline on? No, that's the movie. I mean, that's that. Oh, that's the movie. Okay. Now, all of those things happened, but they not, didn't happen in that order. And uh, the, the, the real Did version... Did the yacht capsize? Yes, the real version is much better. So, now, so in the movie, um, I'm on the yacht, and I get news that my aunt died, and I have to go back. They have to leave, to, right? And I end up getting into the storm. That's not what happened. What happened was I had my yacht in Rome for vacation, I was wanting to go to Sardinia, and I was addicted to quaaludes in a big way, right? Cocaine, you name it, right? every drug under the sun, right? And I got into this frame of mind that you sometimes get into when you take ludes, where, short for quaaludes, <laughs> where I call, I, like the, I, call, I call it the movement phase. Yep. Like there's the, there's the tingle phase when you first take a quaalude, your fingertips tingle, you feel euphoria. Then there's the slur phase where you slur your words and you say, well, okay, I love you, slurring is fine, right? Then you get into the drool phase where you're drooling like, you know, but you're okay, drooling's good too. Is this kind of the Lamborghini scene in the yeah, thing? And then yeah. phase four is unconsciousness, right? However, there, <laughs> is, a, good. there is a fifth phase, which okay. happens once in a while, called the movement phase. That means you get like the drug-induced equivalent of ants in your pants. You can't sit still. It just so happened that as I was heading down the hill to Porta Chevrolet, where the yacht was, I found myself in the movement phase, and there were white caps in the harbor, and when we got to the boat, the captain says, we can't make the crossing because there's a storm. And I said, I have to cross or I will die because I just I could not sit still. And I convinced the captain, unfortunately, using my powers of persuasion. So this is where persuasion did you wrong, right? Correct. And I convinced the captain to take the boat because I said, if I, I said, I said, Captain Mark, if we sit here, I will die in this. So I, I says, all right, we, we'll break some plates. I said, will we make it? He goes, we'll make it, but it's going to be really bad. I said, let's do it. It seemed like a great adventure, right? So I went up to the top deck, took four more ludes, fell asleep, woke up, and I was in 50-foot waves in the rest of the same. 50-foot waves? Unbelievable. It was just a freak storm kicked up in the Adriatic, and uh, oh, we ended up getting rescued by the Italian Navy SEALs, which was amazing. And then what happened was they took us to Sardinia. So wait, a, wait, 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 not to interrupt you, but... Were the quaaludes strong enough that you were sleeping part of the time when there was 50-foot waves? No, 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 no. I was, I, it I was woke hanging, you up? Because no, I've been in a big storm in the ocean. That'll wake me no, up. I was an expert at something called balance. Like, I was treating my body like a, a human... I'm sober for 20-something years, right? But back in the day, I was like a Petri dish. I would take ludes to mellow out, cocaine to wake up. So I was balancing between ludes and coke that day. So I was awake for the whole... Very proud of that. Probably yeah. not the Buddhist meaning of balance. No, right, exactly. So I was balancing, right? <laughs> and, um, and, and so I was awake... And loving it because I wanted this. I was so happy that the boat was going to sink because it was so expensive and I was so sick of it. I was like, this is great. And then, like, oh shit, we might die. Oh my God, oh, this is not so great. Then but, you remembered you were on it. Right. You're like, so wait then, a second. 
<laughs> anyway, we got rescued. Um, and then what happened was, so seven days later, we all had to buy everyone new clothes because all clothes went down with the ship, right? The only thing we rescued was the Quaaludes, thank God, when the boat was going down. <laughs> they couldn't spend. The they should have put I that in my, the movie. No, I sent my friend down for those. They were, in the, they were in the downstairs cabin. I said to my friend, you have the loot? He goes, no, the downstairs. I said, Rob, you get the fucking loot, you know? So Rob go, runs down. He comes back, goes, the cabin's flooded. I can't. I said, fucking pretty kids. Go and put a fucking snorkel on. Sure. Go down there, right? Sacrifice your life. Right. I need my they're, they're in, like a, they're in a, a medically sealed bed. Go get, he goes, all right, you're right, you're right. He goes down there, nothing. I go downstairs. I, I, he sees me standing at the top of the stairs with his pants down his ankles, pissing on the carpet. I'm like, Rob, what are you doing? He goes, I always wanted to do something like this. I'm like, Rob, just go get the loots, right? He goes downstairs. He comes back up a minute later. I couldn't do it. I got shocked. The water's electrified. Oh. I looked at him. I said, soldier. I said, you fucking, I don't care how bad, unless it's like. Did he get shocked while he was peeing? Yeah, no, no, while he was down there. Because it'll come right through I the said, screen. you go down there. So he went, he goes, you're right. He goes, I, uh, I'll do it. He goes, but if I die, get my wife a breast job. Just promise me. I said, all right, I'll do it. Get more. If I, my wife, what he I, said? I want my wife to get a breast job. Pay for the breast job. See, she's his, so not like the movie where you say, will you take care of my wife? No, Mr. he just best wanted friend. the breast job. Will you get her a breast Why yes. did he want her to have a breast job? She was bugging him for a breast job. He didn't want he was cheap. So he said, if you pay for that, my death will be meaningful, okay? So he goes downstairs, comes back up with a bag of loots and third degree burns and his hair up in his knee. Yeah, right? <laughs> and then 10 days later, here's the irony. So 10 days later, oh, that's we, 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 10 days later, we, we, we go to the battleship first, right? And then we take some more loots because it seemed like we should do that, right? And then we went to uh, the Cal de Volpe Hotel, the world's most beautiful and expensive hotel where you, like, you take an olive. It's like they have a guy with a microscope, $10 on your bill, right? So check that out of there 10 days later, right? It's like $700,000 later, right? And 700 had, grand yeah, was oh, yeah, the, yeah. the hotel bill? Yeah, I had it from 18 people. It was nuts, right? So anyway, I bought everyone brand new clothes. Right now, this is the second time because my wife lost her, her bag. Uh, the story can go on and run. I want to get to no, the point. Going. The, no, keep going. Don't do not stop. No, keep going. This is great. Uh, well, so what happens? My wife, originally, when we were getting on the plane, they, the driver forgot to put a bag, bags on the plane. So I had to buy her new clothes. So before we got to the yacht, we stopped in Rome, went shopping, got her new clothes, and then those bo- clothes went down with the boat. So the clothes sank and with the boat. And then we had to get new clothes in Sardinia, right? And then you went... To, was the hotel the seven hundred thousand yes, dollars hotel yes, after yeah. that? Yes, after that. So then we went. We had to buy, buy clothes, but it was only like Johnny Versace resort. It was like peacocks. We were all purple and pink the whole week, right? <laughs> so finally, the last day of the of the of the trip, right? I had this great idea. I said, you know what? If we bring all this shit back through customs, we're going to be hassled. My name was on a watch list already. I'm like, let's just ship it all back to DHL. We'll only use a toothbrush and underwear because we're going on a private jet home. Great idea, right? So we all box up our shit. We, we send it off back to the United States. Next one, we wake up. We go to the hotel, to the airport. No plane. I'm like, what the fuck? No plane. Now, this is back before cell phones, right? Yeah. You know, and, and no one spoke any English. And after about an hour, I was going crazy because I had a loot now. No reason to be away from home anymore without the loots, right? All of a sudden, <laughs> some little Sardinian midget comes scampering up to me. Literally a midget? A midget. Comes up and goes, didn't you guys throw midgets no, in the we, movie? No, that's, that's a dad's radio. We talked about throwing midgets. They threw midgets after I left. I was not involved in that. So don't hold me responsible. <laughs> so anybody who's a midget... Do no, not I, protest. I, yeah, yeah, this, this, part, this episode. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't, please don't. Hey, but the point is, is that um, he says, Mr. Belfort. I'm like, what? Well, he goes, plane crash. I'm like, what? But my plane crashed 10 days after the yacht sank, okay? And like, it took off at Orly Airport in France. Seagull in the engine, gone. A seagull hit your private jet. So now jet. I lost, yeah. Yeah, so I lost the, lost the plane. We gotta got say this. So for a second, a sea, your, plane, your, your, plane, plane. your yacht sunk. Then, then your plane, plane got plane, engine plane. got hit by a seagull. Yeah. So then pilots live, thank God. Did right? you ever like 
wonder if there is re something in the past mm. life that no, might have also, happened? So here's the thing. So right. <laughs> well, no, there was. I did make some great anal analyzations that day. So uh, after that happened, I, we got stuck again with no clothes in, in Italy, and I had to get out of Italy at this point. So we we took a plane to London, a, a commercial plane. We ended up in the wrong airport, Gatwick. Go to the. To but you had clothes on. You had, uh, the clothes we wore. Versace. Right? They had like purple and everything. <laughs> but here's the irony, you know. Here's how crazy purple, drug. Oh, here's no. how crazy drug addiction is. Is that at that time, you'd think I'd say, okay, obviously, God is telling me, my life's out of control. I'm doing, there's something not right here. Right. Right, right. Everything's insane. I'm doing drugs all the time. Things are happening. No. I went even crazy the next day. In other words, <laughs> you I, use it as a sign you yes, should be partying to harder. To keep going harder, right? It was a year later that I got sober, finally. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So that's the, uh, what ha that, that's the true story about the yacht. Now, the true story of Wolf of Wall Street. You heard it here. And by the way, I heard Chance the Rapper said today he wants to hang out with Drake because Drake has an exciting life. Chance, <laughs> you probably wanted to be with Jordan Belfort in the Wolf of Wall Street You, you shouldn't let me drive the car because who knows what's going to happen, right? No, after I hear <laughs> this story, I'm right glad now. you did not drive the Lamborghini. Right. But All you right. have two, so there's, you have that backups, okay? So I saw yes. that. All right? So that's good. So anyway, <laughs> so, but... but you know, here's the thing, though. I'm sober now for over 20 years. Right? That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And that was a miracle, by the way. And it was it was something that changed my life. But when you're in that headspace, you can rationalize anything. Yeah. Like you can just, like, I said, oh, it's, you know, no, it's no problem. You know, I'm going to the bathroom. I'm shitting. It's green. You know, my I'm, my nose is bleeding. I mean, it's a disaster. Yeah. But you're saying, oh, it's not. It's my allergies. It's my, <laughs> like, you can just, you know. So, um, thank God I survived it. So why do you think, well, what is it about us humans that for the most part, sadly, we only learn through massive pain? Well, this is a, good, this is a, 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 a truism for sure, because I think, you know, when it comes to values, right, value changing, um, I've done a lot of studying of that, you know, various types of psychology, NLP and stuff. And, and one of the things that, that, that they say is that, you know, there's either really one of two ways that someone really changes their values. One of them is through massive work and introspection through years of therapy, right? That's one way. The other way is with massive, a painful event. Yeah. Something that, that, that happens to you and causes you to essentially reorder all the meanings that you've had from past experiences, how you apply meanings. And in that moment, you can make these dramatic shifts. That did happen to me. It, it happened to me when I went to jail and when I wrote my first book. You know, I had this moment where it just like, it just sort of, you know, I was able to really, really sort of, become the person I was before it all happened. Like the kid that my parents had sent out into the world. I was a good kid. I was a great student. Never got in trouble. Uh, when I went down to Wall Street, I was idealistic. I never, I didn't want to. So do you think it was, the, do you think it was the environment? You're idealistic. You get dropped in Wall Street. There's money flowing around. There's sex, drugs, rock and roll. It's, it's just, because I do believe, one of my mentors, Joel Salton, told me that the system trumps yeah. Individuals. I mean, yeah, yeah, so I, I don't. The problem with that is that makes me a victim. But I don't believe in being a victim. No, not a, a victim. Because you could have left New York. Well, here's the thing. So uh, there's no doubt that the environment can be toxic to certain people, right? But to many people, it's not toxic. So right. obviously, I think with myself at least, there were some things inside of me 
despite my parents being good parents and despite me not getting in trouble before, I had certain insecurities. We all enter adulthood with certain insecurities. Right. And, you know, sort of um, not feeling that we're as great as we, like other people might think we are. So here's what happens. When, you know, we see it in Hollywood a lot and in the music industry where you have these young stars, they go like when Britney Spears went bananas for a while. Now she's normal again. Great, yeah. right? So, you know, what happens is that, you know, when you're growing up and you know, when you're in your early 20s, and you don't have everything you want. You say, you know what? I don't have everything I want because I'm not successful yet. I, my life isn't the way I think it should be. So I understand that there is still pain and you can justify it. It makes sense. Yeah. But then what happens is when you all of a sudden become filthy rich and famous and successful, you still have all the pains and insecurities. Yes. So it exaggerates. And, and, well, what no, was but now you're thing. like, oh my God, wait a second. I'm, I have the success, my, I'm picturing it the way I want it, but I still don't feel good. And that's when the panic sets in. Huh. Because now you have So no you got all that, but you didn't feel it? Well, what happened was, is when I discovered the straight line system, right, which is really the topic of the interview, is when I, when I cracked the code for teaching people how to close. Yeah. That was the game changer. I, I had stumbled upon a niche in the market, right, which was selling $5 stocks to the richest 1% of Americans. And no one had ever done it before. And that was a really lucrative niche. But what enabled me to build Stratton was I came up with a new way of training people how to close. And that system, the straight line, was so powerful and effective that within days of inventing it, it allowed me to take any human being, any old, young, regardless of their race, their age, their creed, their color, their socioeconomic background, their educational status, didn't matter where they came from, could have been Harvard or Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. I could take them in a couple of days. Even if they weren't natural salesmen. Absolutely, absolutely not. That was Because you talk about it in the book. You took people the in weeks and made them into the people. world-class closers. Yeah. Right? And the point, and to bring up that whole idea of a natural salesperson, what I essentially did was I was able to take the strategy that I was using automatically, slow it down, and put it into a step-by-step -step formula yeah. that could be essentially transplanted and inserted to anybody else. Just a little bit of work. And to this very day... I still teach it around the world, and it's, it's the, what it does for people, it changes people's lives because there are so many people out there that are brilliant, talented, hardworking, successful-oriented. Yeah, good they, businesses they, they want. But they yeah. just don't have that ability to get their point across. And what happens is, look at it this way, every idea has a certain intrinsic value, right? Mm -hmm. But how someone else perceives that value is yes. either multiplied or divided by the person who's explaining it. Yeah. So if I explain the idea, they can think it's a great, if someone who's terrible at selling, they'll think it's a shitty idea. Yeah. So imagine, I said this to me, all the people out there who are these brilliant, hardworking, smart people, they want to make money, they want to provide for their families, they want to help their parents, their communities, right? Great intentions, and they have great ideas, but they lack this one skill, yeah. and they struggle. Yeah. And, and, and to me, it's the craziest thing, because here's the thing. It's learnable. It's a, yes. it's a learnable thing. But it's thing. not. It's one of those things they should have taught us in high school. They should have junior high. I always say if it's important, they forgot to teach one it to us. One of the best clips on the internet, you should really play this, yeah. play it later on, right, is Warren Buffett was doing the speech with Bill Gates about maybe 10 years ago. And he was asked by a college student, what can we do as students to make ourselves more valuable in the workplace? So you'd think Warren Buffett would say, learn how to pick stocks, learn how to investments, you know, whatever he would say, right? Not what he says. He says, go out and take a course in sales and communication. Yeah, yeah he did Dale Carnegie, changed his life. There you go. And that was yeah. the point. Because he took that. He says, I took Dale Carnegie, changed without that. You know what he'd be without that course? Yeah. He'd be the richest money manager in Omaha, Nebraska yeah. that no one ever heard of. Yeah, and he met his wife that way. But the love so, of his so life. Because without the ability 
to influence and persuade. Yeah. You, can't, you can't put yourself out there into the world and be known for what you really are. Yeah. And We're going to put a link, by the way, tylopez.com slash wolf. So if you go there, we're going to have links to more advanced stuff that, that Jordan does. And uh, so, yeah, tylopez.com slash wolf, and that will take you right to this. And, of course, I recommend you can buy this book. I read it word for words, cover to cover, on uh, last night before you came. In terms of, there's so much here. Let's check out all these notes. There's a, I, I want to get to the most important things first. We talked about we got the drugs out of the way, which is the most. We got important. the drugs. We got the entertaining stuff. We got the, the boat. We got the now plane crash. <laughs> I like this thing that you say. Like, human communication is 45% tone of voice, 45% body language. And only 10% words. Yeah. And what you said is, you know, people are kind of logical but very emotional. The tone of voice and the way that you look in terms of body language, that's 90%. That appeals to the emotional side of the brain. And then you need to have good words that are logical. So what's, a, like, the most practical body language tip? Do you think that it's important to lean forward when you talk to people? I, I, there's a scene in, in, your, in the movie that I love. I actually got to... I, I met uh, Matthew McConaughey before his uh, Dark Tower interview. I got to go there to the red carpet with him. And I was at, you know, he got the, this whole, did you do that? No, that's Matthew McConaughey's thing. So that's his actual that's thing. That's his thing. Yeah. So he's, and, and that's like an emotional, we'll talk yes. about it in state creation. But that's, that's obviously not a, probably not a body language thing you want to do. When well, Marty Scorsese said it was so cool, he made it part of the movie. I know. That's, I, I, I think that's one of the things I see people doing yeah. all around the place. Okay, so, so let, what's so, a practical yeah. body? Because people love body language yeah. conversations. Well, let me, yeah, let me, uh, just, let me just back you up for one second here. In terms of this idea of 45, 45, 10, right? That's been around for many, many, many years, many different studies about that. But here's the thing that you need to really understand. It's important. Is that I'm not saying that the words don't matter. They only matter 10%. In fact, the words matter 100% when you're speaking. Yes. But the thing is, you're communicating often without speaking. Yes. That's the point. So it's not like words don't really matter. The words matter. Because, yeah. you know, you say the wrong words, then you're perceived as an asshole, it's done, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so the idea that body language is so powerful, what happens is body language has a way of essentially slipping on through the radar of the conscious mind yes. and going right to the unconscious mind and creating a gut reaction. Yeah. That, you know, something just must be there. It must be good. That person must be an expert. I want to speak to that person. Or it might be bad. Or the opposite. Or I don't Correct. Try. You were talking about keeping your simple one, keeping too close. Right. Hurts yeah, well, sales. You know, well, yes. It, or can hurt sales. Or they could just be cold, right? So seriously, because you don't know. So the point is that no, but if you're the person doing the same, well, I wouldn't be sitting here like this. Yeah, you probably wouldn't right. be that's here. But people very, do that sometimes. Yeah, that's a very aggressive. It's also an aggressive sort of angry pose to be as a salesman. And resting bitch face. You yeah. hear that at RBF? I know. Where it's so terrible. Terrible. 
terrible pretty thing, women, but. you know, not pretty women. I guess men maybe so do it too. Some of them is RF, resting asshole face. That's what guys have. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, resting so asshole face. So rap and yeah, 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 exactly. And so where people sit there and like you see it at a club, I've seen it, and then you go up and talk to the person, terrible and they're like, right. terrible affliction, resting bitch face for a girl. Because imagine a girl, right? And she's sitting there, and and she's sweet as sugar. She like just has great things to tell you. She wants, and you look at her, she goes, that girl must hate my gut. Look how angry. Yeah. It's a very terrible thing. So, by the way, here's the thing. Um, that can be controlled, right? Yes. In all seriousness, you know, we make a joke about it, but whether it's resting asshole face or resting bitch face, guy or girl, there's so much more to it than just sort of how you are arrest. It is how you interact when you meet someone, the smile, your eye contact, how much eye contact you make, how close you stand to someone. So, who here realizes hopefully everybody the power of social media if you don't i got a craziest stat known to mankind which is the fastest growing company in history which was kylie jenner so kylie jenner built a a makeup brand called kylie cosmetics and they've sold 300 sorry 400 and 20 million dollars of makeup at age under age 21 420 million, 420 for all you 420 friendly people, worth of makeup at under 18, at under 21, no TV ads, no TV, no radio, all with social media. No company in history has grown that fast in real sales. Apple didn't do it. Amazon didn't do it, Google didn't do it, nobody. So for those of you who don't understand why I'm doing this talk, please get this in your head as quickly as possible so that you can benefit and it's not just the Kardashians. You must, I repeat, you must at some level, no matter what you're doing, master the game of social media. I haven't done it as well as the Kardashians, but I've done it fairly well. So, for those of you who don't know, my name is Ty Lopez. Um, Entrepreneur.com said I was the number one social media business influencer in the world uh, for 2017. I don't know if that's true. There's a few people that are good at it, not just me. But I do know that uh, me and my business partner, we've spent over $600 million on social media marketing. Okay? So, here's the deal. How do you get... Um, how do you grow your following? Well, first of all, like I said, you have to understand that it's important or else you won't do it. Number, But let me go into the 10 strategies. I've got, can you put that right over there if you don't mind? So number one is, and by the way, for some of you, I'm gonna do something towards the end of this in addition to giving away cash and stuff. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna actually take a small handful of you and I've created a test group where I'm actually going to grow your social media following for you. I'll do the work, okay? I haven't never offered that ever in the last, I really started using social media, I started messing with it around 2012. So in the last five, six years, I have, so if you wanna do it on your own, you can just listen. Later on, I'm gonna put up a link uh, and a handful of you all grow your social media for you, okay? So, first thing I recommend, you need to understand Facebook 
pages. So everybody, you have your personal Facebook. That's not what I'm talking about. Facebook business page. It doesn't have to be a business. You can have it with you, but it's separate from your personal, okay? So the first step, I'm gonna show you my Facebook fan page. It could be a business page. There's an app here I recommend. Okay, so here's my Facebook. I recommend you download that app. But if you click here, you can see my business fan page or my product, my, you know, persona. And I've got 6.2 million likes. You can look on it. Ty Lopez official, it has 6.2 million likes. So the reason I say you wanna start with Facebook is what's the largest social media network in the world? Facebook. They also own Instagram. They also own WhatsApp. They also own half of the world, but or they're going to eventually. So you want to you got to pick somewhere to start. Now it doesn't mean you have to start this way. I'm just showing you. If I walk through the door at your house or your business and I said I'm gonna take over things for you. The first one I'm gonna start with is your Facebook fan page because we can use your Facebook fan page and we can use it to get Twitter followers and Instagram followers and Snapchat and YouTube subscribers and podcasts, okay? Somebody asked, Ty, wait, they own WhatsApp? Yep, they bought WhatsApp. So how do you grow your Facebook fan page? Well, I did an experiment. I know how to grow mine 150,000 a day, okay? Now, those are not fake accounts, those are not bots, those are real people. I've grown mine a million a week. If I focus on it and do a concentrated boost, um, but I, I grew four million this year and then I kinda, I'm not growing it as much anymore because once you get a certain amount of followers, it's like, what are, I don't really need 50 million followers. But what I recommend you do is you start with a global campaign and you boost basically some of your content with very simple call to action saying, if you agree, like my page. That's the way that you can do it. If you agree, like a page, like my Facebook page. And you can boost those. Facebook allows you for a relatively small amount of money. It could be, you know, you could spend $10 a day, you could spend $10,000 a day. Uh, but I recommend you start with a global campaign for several reasons. One, not if you just try to do your local area at the beginning, okay, it's expensive because if you live in Los Angeles, a lot of people are trying to target just Los Angeles, okay? So for me, um, you're not trying to make money yet with your Facebook fan page. That's not the goal. What you're trying to do is get your follower count up and here's why. This is a principle that you gotta understand. Somebody might say, oh Ty, is that just to feed somebody's ego that you wanna get more followers? No, that's not anything to do with ego. It's very simple. In the future, the more followers you have, let's just take an example, Instagram, because a lot of people use Instagram. So Instagram, I just passed here 2.7 million Instagram followers. So it's now easier for me to get followers because if I post a video that kind of goes viral, people look, they see at Ty Lopez, they look that I already have 2.7 million followers and it's called social proof. They go, well, if 2.7 million people like uh, or you know, subscribe to Ty's Instagram or YouTube, like 
Maybe I should too. Maybe I'm missing something. For those of you who don't have any followers on your Facebook business page, it's very it's harder at the beginning. So if you can just use global followers at the beginning, even if there is some in the Philippines, some in Indonesia, some in you know Africa, it doesn't matter if they're relevant to your exact product yet. You need to get engagement up. You need to get people uh, following you and subscribing. Every business, also social proof. Sometimes before I go to use a business or I go to a restaurant, I'll look at their Facebook fan page. If it's got two followers, I'm not gonna go because I'm like, what the hell? You know, so it's expected nowadays that you have a decent amount of followers. I would recommend a minimum threshold for, especially for those of you who are entrepreneurs, at least 10,000 people on each of the main platforms. You don't have to get there overnight, but I suggest a minimum, you need 10,000 Facebook uh, fans, you need 10,000 Instagram, 10,000 Twitter, 10,000 on Snap, 10,000 YouTube subscribers, at a minimum, okay? Like I said, I have 10, 11 million followers across all my platforms. I've got, I just passed the million actually. Those of you who follow me on Twitter, I, I grew, I almost doubled my, my Twitter in the last month. I started focusing on it and things like that. So 10,000 is a great minimum for each of you. And, I, and believe it or not, one of the things I want you to understand, it's not just me that can do this. Not just me. You can do it too. Follow the formulas. The big thing I want you to take away from this, start with a global boost. And there's a certain kind of ad you need to make. Um, and it varies, but basically uh, for me, for example, I would, let's say I'd post a video I made or a picture of me with a book and it'd be like, and it's a popular book, like Think and Grow Rich. I could take a little ad on Facebook I could boost it for 10 bucks, a thousand bucks, a hundred bucks, whatever you want. And it would say like, if you like Think and Grow Rich, like my page. If you like Think and Grow Rich like me, like my page. If you like the four agreements like I do, click my, you know, like my page. And if you do that globally, you can get followers for relatively low cost. And if you set a target, each of you, to in the next 18 months to get 10,000 followers on each platform, You'll make the money back if you do it right. Like I've made a hundred times back all the money that I've invested. Okay, some of this tip is very dope. Thank you. I'm giving you 10 tips. I'm giving you 10. I gotta go here. I actually have a party for tech week at my house. So hopefully I'll get to all 10. I might run out of time before I get to all 10, but I'll try to do as many as I can. Okay, uh, let's talk about Twitter strategy. Actually, let's go to Instagram, number two. Can you check off the ones I'm doing there so I don't get lost? Instagram growth. Okay, here's the thing about Instagram growth. Good news is if you grow your Facebook fan page, you can, what I call, you can port or, or um, redirect a lot of your Facebook fans on your page to Insta. You see? Think of it this way. If you have one place that you do well on, Facebook, why wouldn't those people wanna follow you on Instagram? So you can start posting on your Facebook. Yo, if you like this, I just posted a new video on Instagram. It's not as simple as some people do it wrong, but if you do it right, it's extremely effective. Okay, so what I like to do is first try to get my Facebook fan page up, global boost on, if you like this, what I'm doing, like my page, 
Then I try to port or redirect the people from Facebook to Insta. That's one strategy that works very well. Okay, I've grown my Facebook right now. Yesterday I added 20,000 Facebook followers, uh, sorry, Instagram followers. You can see on Social Blade, um, literally I, I get a screenshot, I'll show you a screenshot. I have uh, my one of my assistants uh, once a day at midnight. So let's look what I did. All right, here's my Social Blade statistics. For Instagram, yesterday was 20,000 followers. 20,822 followers. 20,822. See that? It's not, you can always just look on socialblade.com yourself. So I got 20,882 in one day. How did I do that? Well, it's a combination now. Some of it's viral growth. But one of the big things was if you can get your Facebook popping, you can target those people on Facebook and redirect them and they follow you on Instagram. Pretty simple, right? So stuff, by the way, they should have taught us in school. Unfortunately, they didn't, but you know. Okay, so Instagram, that's one strategy, the redirect strategy. So I will call that A. B is a strategy that I like uh, as well, which is basically an internal they call them, sometimes they call them share for share. So here's what you do. If you have 2,000 Instagram followers, you go, this is the key. Listen to precisely how I'm telling you to do this. I'm giving you free gold here. What you do is you first share somebody else's content. This is where everybody teaching this that I've seen does it backwards. They say go out and direct message a whole bunch of people and ask them to post for you. That's you taking from people. You must give before you take. So you just go to your friends and go, hey, I posted this post you did on my Instagram story or my Instagram main feed because I liked your post and I told all my friends to go uh, follow you. So now you're scratching their back first before you ask them to scratch yours. So then you can come back a week later and say, oh, would you mind posting this for me? And once you've done it for them first, they're literally 10 times more likely to say yes. So before you ask them to share for you, you share for them. And guess what? You don't even have to ask permission. Legally, anything posted on their Instagram, you can repost it. It's part of the terms and conditions. We're talking about how I grew my social media Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, to basically a little under 11 million subscribers in two years, okay? It's taken me about two years. I started really in 2015, and um, so a little little over two years. I So we're my Instagram, we're talking about how I got 2.7 million followers. I just passed 2.7, thank you for those of you who follow me. So I talked about redirecting them from your Facebook. I talked about internal share for share. First, you share. That is so important. I promise you. Nobody's going to get mad if you share and get them followers. Does that make sense? Okay. I'm giving you 10 tips as much. By the way, I'm going to put up a link shortly. I've never done this. People have asked me for years, Ty, will you grow my social media and my business followers for me? So if you own a business or you're a personal brand or you're an author or a fitness person and you want me and my team to grow your brand, I'm going to do it for a small amount of people because uh, I'm not gonna do it for everybody on this call. It's not possible, but I've already grown other 
people uh, that have businesses I'm an investor in, and I'm going to offer it to you guys in a small test group, small, teeny percent of you, one-tenth of 1% of people on this call. So somebody said, is it going to cost big money? No, I'm not going to charge a ton of money. You'll see. I'm, just, I'm not going to lose money on it, but. Um, okay, so Instagram growth, two quick hacks. Remember, porting them from your Facebook. That's why I said tip number one, Facebook. Okay, uh, let's talk about, let's talk about, let's talk about Twitter for a second. Just because Twitter is more powerful than people realize, Twitter is harder to make money from Okay, but what I my Twitter, thank you. I just passed a million followers. I, I about almost doubled my Twitter in the last month or two uh, because I wasn't focused on Twitter before. By the way, one of the things you got to learn, you must focus one at a time. Okay, you cannot just go, I'm going to be good on Insta, Twitter, podcast, YouTube, like all at once. I've seen people doing that. That's why I said I've given you an order. Start with Facebook, it's the largest audience in the world, it's over two. One, depending on how you count, one to two billion members on Facebook. Um, then number two, you can go to Instagram if you want to. Instagram is the sexiest, and of course, it's owned by Facebook, so you get a lot of the crossover. So with Twitter, what I you have to you have to basically post more often. So I recommend approximately seven times a day, and do custom content. So especially. To grow, if you just, you know how Instagram has that button that says, do you also want to share this on Twitter? Never say yes to that, okay? Never uh, share direct from Insta. Trust me, it's idiotic. It creates a weird link nobody wants to click on. If you look right now at my Twitter feed, if you look at my Twitter, my Twitter feed is very clean. It's not full of crazy retweets. That's what some people do. But you look through here, my top, I pin them. I changed my pin, I got 13,000 likes on this. But today, not counting this, I posted there. I posted there. I just, it's like a clean feed. It's just value, 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 value. So basically, people can go to my Twitter they start subscribing to me because I'm just giving simple value. It's not complicated. Uh, I don't, I don't, it's not four trillion retweets and weird things like that. Somebody says, why, Vanessa said, why is Twitter important? Because, you know, 100 million people use it. Why would you wanna, if you look at Kylie Jenner, we talked about at the beginning how she built the fastest sales growth company in history, 400 million plus in 18 months. How'd she do it? Simple. She used Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and she used Twitter. Okay? Someone said, Ty, how much is your Instagram worth? Oh, it's worth a lot. Because if you can get 2.7 million followers, engage people, it's very powerful. Someone said, Ty, your SMA course is off the chain. Arcel Sanders. Thanks, man. Okay, so post more. Twitter is the platform that allows the most post activity. You probably don't want to post seven times a day on your Facebook, even Instagram. Some <clears throat> Sometimes you could do it. Um, you could do seven, mil seven times a day on Instagram. Certain accounts like 9gag grow really well and they do it, but 
gotta be careful with that. You have to know what to post. You start posting seven times a day, some junky posts and the thing crap, you, you'll destroy your whole following. So, but with Twitter, you can post a lot. I've seen people growing um, their, uh, growing their following, posting a hundred times a day. You look at like Michael Rappaport, the sports guy. Sometimes that guy posts every 10 seconds. I mean, somebody, uh, a great question. Someone said, Ty, why is Twitter important? Well, it made Donald Trump the president of the United States. So if you do or don't like Donald Trump, make no mistake, Twitter was a big part of Donald Trump becoming the president of the United States. You may need a smaller monitor. So uh, that should be reason enough and alone, right? <laughs> it can make somebody president. I knew Donald Trump was going to win, and I'm not even Republican or Democrat. I knew Clint Hillary was going to lose because I looked at their Instagram, uh, their Twitter engagement, and Donald Trump on average was getting five to ten times more likes per tweet than Hillary. So I, I knew this. I knew that the news was full of crap, saying that he's losing in the polls. I knew it. I told somebody. I actually talked about it live two months before the election. I said. This is bullshit. The news said that he's 90% chance he's gonna lose. I said, democracy is about who votes. If people are voting on Twitter, a good percentage of them will go vote, you know? And sure enough, he didn't lose by 90%. I mean, the, the polls gave a 90% chance he'd lose. So whether you like Donald Trump or if you hate Donald Trump, you should realize the importance of Twitter. Okay, so, even if you turn the brightness down just a little bit. Someone said that's a massive tablet. <laughs> okay, so that's just tip number three. The next very important thing, the next platform that I think is important, and this one depends on um, the age you're trying to target. So if you have a business that's trying to target 45-year-old people, this is the next part you can ignore, but podcast is very, I mean, sorry, Snapchat is very important. And so you have direct competition, Insta stories. Oops. Insta is competing, right? But Snapchat still has better continual engagement. Meaning if you post 10 times on Instagram story versus 10 times on Snapchat, more people will watch Snap from start to finish. More people will watch Snap from start to finish than Instagram. I think it's because of the interface. It's more locked in when you go to Snap, whereas Instagram, you just go like this and it takes you to the next post. Um, so I think Snapchat is great. Think of Snapchat as like TV. Now, once again, how do you grow a Snapchat? Snapchat and YouTube are the two hardest to grow, just so you know. So everybody watching, a few of you I'm gonna take you and I'm actually gonna grow your social media for your brand or yourself as a human or your business, your product. But for those of you who are gonna go out after the, I'm done with this call and you're gonna do it on your own, mark my words, Snapchat is relatively hard to grow. So once again, going back to my, the first point that I made here, you wanna start by growing your Facebook business page, increasing your global followers, and you know, you can build, I have a really big Snapchat. Um, you never will know how many followers you have in Snapchat. You have to approximate because Snapchat doesn't show you, you know, they don't really show you stuff. 
They don't show you, they just show you views. That's about it. But the good news is, since Snapchat is harder to grow, that means it's easier to compete because it's harder to grow for everybody. So if you crack the code, boom, very little competition. And by the way, if you don't think Snapchat's important, this is Kylie Jenner's number one platform. Of course, now she does Instagram more, but this generated probably, I'm gonna guess at least 300 million for her, okay? Under 21 years old. I'm gonna guess, I don't know, it could be a little off. I would say one to 300 million dollars. Pretty good, right? Someone left an interesting comment. Snapchat is very important. Notice after DJ Khaled. Yeah, DJ Khaled grew his brand from being pretty well known to being like a household name, just with Snapchat too. Okay, so how do you grow it if it's hard to grow? What I did, once again, you take your Facebook followers and you redirect them and say, go follow my Snap. It can be as simple as posting your Snap code or tell them, I'm doing XYZ only on my Snap, okay? That's a big thing. It's called scarcity, urgency. You give people a reason to go and say, you know what? I, I, this is something that I wanted to disappear in 24 hours because it's crazy that I did. I pulled a prank on somebody, you know? I don't want this all over Facebook to be reshared because Snap videos are very hard to reshare um, if you don't want your videos reshared. So, whereas Facebook, your mom might see. So you give a reason and then you port your Facebook. As you can see, going back to my core supposition, you need to get your Facebook up. That's There's a reason that I, the largest following I have is on Facebook. I have 6.2 million on Facebook. I have 2.7 on Instagram, a million, over a million on YouTube, over a million on Twitter, over a million on, um, uh, what's the other one? Oh, you don't know on Snapchat, but I have a lot on Snapchat. Snapchat doesn't show your actual follower count. But the point is, Facebook is the anchor, and it makes sense, two billion people are on Facebook in almost every country in the world. You could go to Zimbabwe, you could go to you know Russia, you can go, people are on Facebook. Now China, has banned Facebook, but there's still people that come in through virtual private servers or VPNs and they get in there too. So, okay, I wanna talk about another thing, which is going live on platforms. So, one of the things that you have is going live. And right now, if you looked here, I created a setup. I think I'm the only person in the world with this setup. I have the Wolf of Wall Street here today, Jordan Belfort. I did, you, some of you might have seen the live stream, but you can use live streaming to do simple things. I did a test, I played basketball, and I just did some giveaways, and I said like, who thinks I'm gonna make this shot right now? Go live, yo, click right here and follow me. You could give away a small thing, it could be a book, it could be a hundred bucks, if you don't have a hundred bucks, it could be, you know, given, like I said, give away something you already own that you don't use in your house, and you go live with it, so whoever wants this, let's say you go live on Facebook, you can be like, go over to my Instagram, the, I'm gonna pick one person who follows me in the next you know, 20 minutes, and I'm gonna give them these old pair of Nikes that I have, or I'm, you know, Yeezys, or I'm gonna give you these three books that have been on my bookshelf that I already read. Believe it or not, people love free stuff, man. So you can use live for like really powerful, I call it intense, attention because people since they know it's live 
they know it's gonna end. So people pay intense attention. If you're like, by the time I'm done with this stream, I'm gonna give this away. I gave away a laptop when I was visiting in Virginia at a movie theater. And um, I broke, I think the world record for Instagram comments. I think it might've been broken by some guy in Asia, but he used, I think a bot with fake. These were not fake likes. I said the last person to comment on this laptop gets, uh, I mean on this post gets this laptop. And I think I got in four hours, 257,000 comments. It was crazy. It almost broke. Um, you can break some of the, I've broken Snapchat before. So I hope each of you will understand that you can get intense urgency with live streaming, man. You do people like, you can get people to do stuff. And again, if you can get your Facebook page to have more followers, you can boost and sorry, you can go live on Facebook and then you can send them over to your Instagram, your Snapchat, your Twitter. You can do it one day, Monday, you do it on Snap. Tuesday, you can drive them over to YouTube. Does that make sense? Somebody said, Ty, seriously, you broke Snapchat? Yeah, I've broken the Snapchat inbox two times um, by saying the first person to comment or snap me something, get something, and heck yeah. Oh, you can break, hey, I have a rep at Snapchat and he's like, dude, we can't handle that volume. It doesn't break the whole app, it just breaks my inbox, it freezes. Cause I'll get like maybe 100 snaps a second, literally a second. Now remember, I have a bigger one. Uh, it didn't start out that way for me. It didn't start out that way for me. Like, so you're not gonna break anything. So the good, it's actually not good to break it because then if you're doing a giveaway, everyone gets frustrated. Yeah, Kylie Jenner would break it a hundred times more than me. Maybe not a hundred. She's probably not a hundred times more followers than me, but she's got a lot of followers. Her Instagram, I mean, these are like, she got like a hundred million followers. She's 10 times. So she'd probably break it 10 times faster than me. Okay, so you need intention, action, attention. It's a great place to do some simple giveaways to grow your brand. I like doing it on live. And I, I've done it not live if you see I've done it on Instagram, I've done it on you know non-live platforms, but I kinda like it on live. So Apple has more profit than Amazon's had. It, Apple in one quarter has more than Amazon's had since inception. Facebook, you consider the most successful by growth, I don't know, organism on the planet. Man, most successful man-made thing in history. You say Google's God yeah. because we used to pray to God when we didn't know something, and now we Google it. Yep. And you say Amazon is, I like how you put Amazon. It's like unlimited capital raised. Its goal is to make it as hard as possible to compete with it. So they're like, if we can spend billions of dollars. Did you really say floating warehouses? So Amazon has applied for patents on a bunch of things, including a warehouse that floats and drones that can reassemble from small to bigger drones. And I think it's a bit of a head fake just so they can dominate the front page. So right now we're all obsessed with their second headquarters. Yeah. Most companies, most companies don't do it. They just make a decision and they announce it. But if you look at old media, it's basically been co-opted into being the investor relations PR department for big tech. So how many things have you received via drone? 
I don't think have we get we get so much. I don't think so. No, I think it's coming in a truck. I'll take, I'll, think the over under, I'll take the over under on none. Okay. But when Amazon announced that they were going to start delivering drones five years ago on 60 Minutes, the press, press has been writing about it every week for the last five years. Uber just announced that in L.A. they're working with NASA to come up with these flying taxis. So I don't mean to be cynical, cynical, but I don't think when I'm here in two years visiting you, <laughs> I know I saw that twenty twenty or something. Companies traditionally in the past like to underpromise and overdeliver. These yes. companies overpromise and underdeliver, and yes. the press seems to put up with it. So you're literally saying, kind of the world we live in now almost works for these companies in that traditional media now is the PR department, and you and I. Apple was funded by investors that don't care about profits. They're just Amazon. like- Amazon. I'm sorry, Amazon. Is yeah. for, and Apple runs pretty much every, if you, sometimes you'll, I'll text somebody and they go, it didn't, it wasn't iMessage. I feel like you're, like it's something wrong. Different color, sometimes yeah, it doesn't go green. through. They're like, what the hell? Let, let me read this, this is interesting. So I was talking a little earlier before we went live about how I can't tell if you love them or hate them, or maybe it's a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. But you said, um, by the way, a good job on the book to put things like this in visuals. I can't tell you how many books forget to do this. So you talk about here, imagine a retailer that refuses to pay sales tax, treats his employees poorly, destroys hundreds of thousands of jobs and yet is celebrated as a paragon of business innovation. I'm assuming you're talking about Amazon. Yeah. Then you say, a computer company that withholds information about a domestic act of terrorism from federal investigators with the support of a fan following that views the firm similar to religion. Apple? That's right. So the you consider Apple almost religious state? For as we become more educated and affluent, church attendance goes down, but our questions and anxieties are bigger and bigger, creates a void for a religion. Apple's our religion, Steve Jobs is our Jesus Christ, and this is the new cross. Wow, not controversial at all. <laughs> um, and you say a social media firm that analyzes thousands of images of your children, activates your phone as a listening device, and sells the information to Fortune 500 companies. Is Facebook literally recording us when we don't know it? So they, if you have the Facebook app open, there's ambient listening. Now, to be fair, it's just there so it can serve you more relevant ads. So if you're at an Adele concert, you might get served her album. They're not okay. doing anything... Uh, insidious with it. The scary part, though, is that Facebook has shown us they haven't put in place the, the safeguards to ensure that it's not weaponized by bad actors. Right. So the scary thing isn't that, isn't that Facebook's listening, it's that an intelligence unit of the Russian government might be listening. Right, so they're hacking in somehow. Zach, one of, one of, Zach's here running the sound, but his brother Andy is convinced. I have one of those Alexa things, mm -hmm. and he's like, I don't want to be in the room. Trust me, it's listening to us. He spools 45, cent, 45 seconds backwards, but it's going to create all sorts of inter interesting things. Should we train Alexa that when it hears a gunshot to call the police automatically? Huh. Violation of privacy versus crime prevention. There's just going to be some very interesting things that happen with these new technologies. Or somebody yells out fire or something or loud help. enough. Or I've fallen and I can't get up. I've fallen and I can't get up might work. I got a 99-year-old grandma. And then lastly, you said an ad platform that commands in some markets a 90% share of the most luc lucrative sector in media, yet avoids anti-competitive regulation through aggressive litigation lobbyists, assuming that's Google. 90% share, more share than Ma Bell or the railroads had of a market that by dollar volume is bigger than the entire advertising market of yeah. any country with the exception of the US. And when you add Facebook into that, you talk about that later in the book, 
Google and Facebook, AdWords. So Google controls AdWords. They control YouTube advertising now. They, uh, and then you have Facebook controlling it, its own and, of course, Instagram ads, mm -hmm. which are and really, when you think online outside of that, there's not that much more. There's Snapchat doing a little bit of advertising, Twitter. So are they aggressive in terms of lobbying? Is Google? Oh, yeah. They learned from Microsoft's failure not to lobby. They, have, they spent a great deal of money on lobbying. You talked about Facebook. This isn't a communications vehicle. I, I doubt you even take calls on this. I don't trust people to call me on this, only if they text me. 80% of our time on phone is in-app and six of the top 10 apps. Okay. are owned by one company, Facebook. Yeah. And you talked about digital marketing. Between Facebook and Google, they commanded last year 103% of the growth in digital marketing. Huh. So if you're in digital marketing, which we think of as being this great growth sector, and you don't work for Facebook or Google, you now join newspapers or television in that you're working for a business in structural decline. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Most of my, me and my business partner has spent $600 million combined on marketing our companies that we own. And almost all of that is with Facebook. He spent more on Facebook, I've spent more on Google. Yep. But I mean, it's it's nine. It's exactly what you put in the book, 90%. All right, let me skip ahead. I've got various things that I, at five in the morning, I kind of put right here. Um, you already talked about this, kind of the head fate kind of things that they do. Where is this one that I thought was so fascinating? So. Um, let's talk about driving prices down. Mm -hmm. So we traditionally think that the reason you don't want a monopoly. Mm -hmm. Rockefeller was the richest man in history, if you adjust for today's dollars. About $600 billion he had in today's dollars. And it's because he had a monopoly. He ran the thing. So now Google comes in, and you're talking about how their ad revenue has gone up, but they've been able to deliver a lower price to advertise. Mm -hmm. So is that a good thing? That they, So maybe monopolies are good in this case because they're offering us cheap, the fact that Amazon is almost a monopoly on online, they're able to buy in bulk and ship. So it, can monopolies be good or are they evil? So the, the term natural monopolies is that in some sectors that require enormous capital investment, it might make sense to have, let someone have monopoly-like power. So mm. certain cable companies are offered limited competition and aren't subject to the same antitrust. What you have with Google and the other technology companies that you reference that's so powerful is they have a different gestalt. Most consumer companies think if we have a good year, if we're Chanel or Procter right. & Gamble, we raise prices faster than inflation. Tech comes at things with a different viewpoint. Google last year grew its revenues 20% while lowering its prices 21%. So if you're selling TV ads or print ads, you have to compete with a Google that has better products this year and yes. lowered its prices 21%. So every year technology eats more and more of the economy yeah. because its viewpoint is let's massively improve our product but let's also lower the prices. Yes. Whereas most consumer companies go, if we're killing it, let's raise prices. Yeah. So in a way, it can be good, but maybe it's one of those monsters that can get out of control conceivably. And eventually, if Google just started uh, doing things that we didn't like, we wouldn't have much control because we're running, like me, I'm running all my ads. And you see it with Facebook. If Facebook doesn't like a product you're trying to advertise, for those of you entrepreneurs listening in, you almost have to switch businesses. Mm -hmm. If it's, a, I know people that sell supplements, let's say. Facebook doesn't really like supplements. And so I know people that get out of that whole business once they realize Facebook won't approve their ads. 
Yeah, it's uh, so for example, with Google, the, the, there's a lot of concerns. One, there's now something called Google Answers, where people are now asking Google because they trust it more than their, treat, their priest, their rabbi, their scholar questions, and Google is answering them for us. Yeah. And the question is, do we want to outsource truth? My kid no longer looks to me for answers, he asks Alexa. Right. So are we comfortable with a new source of information, and are we comfortable with this company controlling 90% share? It's also, it, the, the, you, you kind of honed in on the crux of the issue, and that is, what is we're gonna wrestle with is what is always good for the consumer, always good for society. Right. Because it'd be hard to deny these companies aren't good for the consumer. But if Amazon is putting every retailer out of business, Facebook and Google will grow their business $22 billion this year. They need an additional 12,000 employees to handle that additional revenue. Mm -hmm. Traditional media companies, ad agencies, TV stations, need 150,000 people. So, so 12, roughly. So basically, you're gonna have two and a half Yankee stadiums of copywriters, creatives, showrunners, production teams get their pink slips every January 1 yeah. because of Google and Facebook's growth and efficiency. Yeah. So we've had that in the past. We're we've replaced had, by robots. We've had job destruction. We've just never had companies this good at it. Yeah. I, I mean, there's all these books now about living wages and, and, and automatic kind of, uh, what are they called? Universal, Universal income, income. yeah. Which is basically saying, there ain't gonna be enough jobs we're gonna save so much money with efficiencies like with technology that we're gonna to have to literally just pay people for not working. You already see that in Scandinavia. I mean, in yep. Scandinavia, if you, get, if you lose a job, they pay you for two years, almost your full salary. So for those of you listening that are entrepreneurs or considering being entrepreneurs, what you're really saying is, what you talk about in this book is the ultimate case study. If you dissect, reverse engineer these four companies, you almost have a micro model for anything that you wanna do. You're gonna need to know these skills. You're gonna need to know the design and creativity and marketing abilities. I, this is how I think about it, correct me if I'm wrong. To me, when I think of Apple, it embodies the ability to have sleek designs, urgency marketing, scarcity marketing. It's this beautiful, it's kind mm -hmm. of beautiful. When I think of Google, like you, like you said, I think of a lot of, um, it's information technology. Mm -hmm. It's ultimately, it's, they have PhDs in library science. If you get a PhD in library science, you're probably gonna go work at somewhere like mm -hmm. Google. When I think of uh, Amazon, I think of aggressive business. I was just at a talk uh, here in LA, Jeff Bezos stopped in, and you know the man was aggressively taking diapers.com was mm -hmm. a company, and he went to the owner of diapers.com and he said, "Listen to me, if sell me your company," and the guy said, "No," and he said, "You better sell me your company, or I'll just make my own diapers version. I'll drop the price and put you out of business." And mm -hmm. he dropped the price, and one of his executives said to Jeff. If we lower the price of diapers this much, we'll lose $100 million a quarter. And he mm -hmm. goes, I don't care. And so when I think about those of you watching, the need to be somewhat aggressive and competitive at times, that's what I think about with uh, Amazon. And then Facebook, I th when I, what I think about Facebook is really tapping into almost Internet 2.0. You know, Internet 1.0 was kind of just selling things online, and Internet 2.0 was connecting people and using that information to sell to them. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of a fair? So, so I, uh, I'll, I'll take a swag at that as well. So Google, I think, is a modern man's God. We used to turn to a super being for answers. 
Now, as we're more educated and more affluent, we don't depend as much on a super being, but we still have modern day anxieties and questions. Will my kid be all right? A prayer is a, you send a query into the universe hoping there's divine intervention, it sends you back an answer. Now it's symptoms and treatment of croup into the Google dialog box. Google yeah. is our modern man's God. All of these tap into a specific instinct. Facebook taps into our need to love. One of the wonderful things about our species is we not only need to be loved, kids with poor nutrition but high levels of affection have greater outcomes than kids with good nutrition and poor levels of affection, uh. but we need to love others. The number one right. indicator or signal of you're making it to 100 years or not is how many people in your life do you love. I, I met your cousin working here. That's a signal that you're a caretaker. People who let their parents move in with them and decide to take care of them, the life expectancy goes up two to three years. Huh. New mothers do not die. It's an instinct to want to take care of others. And when you, the physical and mental nuance of taking care of others releases a hormone that clears out the bad cholesterol and you get to stick around on this earth a little bit longer. Facebook taps into our need to love others and is creating first and second degree relationships catalyzing them, reinforcing them, mostly through images that create a lot of empathy right. and kind of second order love. Moving further down the gut, our instinct since we emerged from caves is always more. We always want more, because the penalty for too little is the worst death in the world, starvation. Yeah. So open your cupboards, open your closets, look at this fat pad, and you think, I don't need any more. And then the moment after you think that, right. you think, I'd like a bigger pad, or I'd like a penthouse in Manhattan, or I'd like more clothes. So the, the more for less business strategy is usually the company that is the most valuable in the world. It's the strategy of Walmart. It's the strategy of China as a society to offer the world yep. more for less. And now it's the big winner there is Amazon. Moving further down the torso, your strongest instinct is survival. Most of us get up in the morning. We know we've checked that box. You were not worried about making it to the end of the day today. You were confident you were going to survive. So you go to your second instinct, which is procreation. This is the new signal that you have good genes. This means having an Apple iOS means that you are educated, affluent, appreciate artisanship, have disposable income, and that you have good genes. This is saying, I am it's a the good man. a little bit. This is the feathers, the new luxury item. And as a result, has been able to pull off the impossible. The low-cost provider, meaning Apple can go into the supply chain and secure components for the lowest price, mm -hmm. but it charges the premium right. price. So that's the equivalent. Yeah. I saw these fat cars out there. Imagine, imagine the margins of a Lamborghini or a Ferrari with the production volumes of a Toyota. Yeah. That's what Apple yeah. has done. And as a result, is the most profitable company in history. More profitable than IBM, Oracle, Unilever, Walmart, and P&G combined. We have never seen yeah. a profit generator because it taps into a very irrational organ, and that's our reproductive organs. You want to, yeah. as a company, figure out what instinct you tap into, and ideally you want to tap into the irrational ones. Love. Yeah, you said there's right? three in the book. You said there's the rational, the emotional, and the genitals. I like that. <laughs> it's, like, it's like something sexy. But the, talk, is it, not to interrupt you, but no, on that, the, the, one of the parts later in the book, uh, by the way, I highly recommend you guys grab this book, The Four, uh, by here, Professor Galloway. You talked about how these companies, uh, you talk about wealth on the Forbes 400 when you subtract people mm -hmm. who have inherited their money, and what a large percentage of them were either in retail or luxury goods. Yeah. So there's, there's money, and that's that procreation side of where we have luxury, we're signaling to the world. If you study you know, classic evolutionary theory, that was one of the things that Darwin struggled with. Why does a peak, male peacock have all these extra feathers? Because they take energy and they seem to serve no purpose. But the purpose was to show I have so much energy that I don't care. And so when a man buys, you know, 
I have a lot of cars. Charles Darwin would be like, you're trying to signal right. to women that not only could I have one Lamborghini, but I forgot that I have an, like that kind of mentality. So you're saying Apple, because that's an interesting take. That's what you think Apple's Your Ferrari core. and iOS signal the same thing. It says you're stronger, smarter, and faster than the other guy. And then if a woman mates with you, her kids are more likely to survive than if she mates with someone who drives a Hyundai and has Android. At the end of the day, that's what you're signaling. And you will pay a lot of money to feel, I'm wearing a cashmere sweater that costs about 10 times more than I need to stay warm. Right. But I'm trying to communicate to people that I have an Italian sense of design and sensibility and that yeah. I'm an attractive mate. And even if you're in a monogamous relationship and not looking to procreate actively, these things have been pounded into you for millions yes. of years. So you still want that canary yellow Ferrari in your, in your garage, even if you're happily married. Even if you love your husband and have no plans of procreating with anybody else, you will still buy $600 ergonomically impossible shoes. Right. So you want to tap into these irrational margins because irrational in the consumer world is Latin for huge margins. Wealthiest man in Europe, Bernard Arnault. Vuitton and Hublot, yes. signaling. Wealthiest family, in New York, Estee Lauder, making your cheekbones look higher, you're a better mate. Yeah. The axiom of DNA trying to get everywhere and then trying to select the smartest, fastest, and strongest DNA is the algorithm creating more shareholder value the last 30 years of yeah. any category, more than tech, huh. almost as much as finance, depending on when you look at it. Yeah, finance is a big one. Uh, but take, out yeah. in, take out inherited wealth and finance, more people on the Forbes 400 list, from uh, retail and fashion in any other category. Yeah, the Zara second, guy. Is number right. two, yeah. exactly. And number three is H&M. Yeah. So you either want to peel there. The, the number one source of wealth creation in consumer companies up until the, in, the uh, introduction of Google from World War II was appealing to the heart. Yeah. Here's a high caloric pace for your kids. Mm -hmm. That's appealing to the brain. That'll keep them alive. It's nutritious. No, it's not. Here's a high caloric pace that signals that you love your kids more right. than your neighbors. Why? Because choosy moms choose Jet. So we took all these powders, these solvents, these soaps, and we placed American, patriotic, European elegance, maternal feelings of love around these things, and we turned 30 or 50 cents of powder into something worth three to five bucks, and P&G and Unilever created hundreds of billions of dollars in value. You want to appeal to the irrational institution. Yeah. All right, let's keep going through the book. A few more things that I wanted to talk about. So let's talk about, so we talked about the four massive companies. Okay, let's talk about the fifth potential horseman. So we had potential for Alibaba, Uber. Uh, I think you mentioned, uh, what was the other one? Tesla. Tesla. And now you, hey, you made a good prediction. You said he's gonna expand out of cars. Yesterday, Elon Musk announces semi-trucks. Boring right. company. Like it's, yeah. So if you had to bet, who's going to be the fifth big one? You talk about the problems with Alibaba and the problems. That, I thought it was interesting. What you said constrains Tesla is they're not as international, even though they are big in Europe, uh, Scandinavia, but that's a small market. Um, you talked about the constraints on Alibaba was capital. I thought that was interesting compared to Amazon. They don't have access to cheap capital. Also, Alibaba suffers a little bit from what Tesla suffers from. And the Chinese companies traditionally haven't been good at going global. Yes. There aren't that many global Chinese brands. And China hasn't been good at going global. Uh, there's a, I think it was Jared Diamond's book, Gun, Germs, and Steel, mm -hmm. uh, talk, uh, talks about how China's never 
traditionally been a conquering country mm -hmm. in terms of going. So if you had to wager right now, yep. knowing you could be wrong, who's gonna be, is it Uber? Who's gonna be the fifth horseman? So two years ago, I would have bet on Uber because I thought Uber was not a ride hailing service, but a back end fulfillment infrastructure to rival Amazon's. Okay. So, we were, so like people, Uber Eats was the beginning of it. That's right, I was wrong. The fifth right now, the good money in my view, is the operating system of the second most important screen in our lives. This is number one, number two is TV, and that's Netflix. Ah, millennials, I like Millennials spend more yes. time watching Netflix than the rest of cable television combined. Yes. If they continue to command that sort of custody of the wealthiest consumers in the world, you could see them getting into all sorts of different businesses. Yes. Where would you go? So if you're Reed Hastings, you're running Netflix, where do you go next? Oh, I would probably introduce voice. What about music? Why fair not enough. take out Spotify? Spotify, Spotify. Yeah, that's a fair point. There's a lot of different ways they could. If go. you if you controlled Netflix, what about education? Yeah, I mean, education. No, don't do that. Lot. That's the industry I'm interested in. Yeah. Reed Hastings. Erase this from the. No, I'm just yeah. joking. Um, I think that uh, they have. If you think about the best money people saw, probably say they spend dollar for dollar, the average person under 40. I bet you it's Netflix. Right there. Ten yeah. bucks. And you can sit there, and people binge or watch. What's the most you guys, anybody here has ever watched on Amazon in one day? I mean, Netflix in one day. Uh, I was watching Stranger Things like three hours a day. Yeah, that's so nothing. Three hours? Adrian's a newbie. He was only watching three that's hours a day. Three hours. That, that means you clearly don't vape if you're only at three hours of Stranger Things. <laughs> well, I oh remember when they were still delivering DVDs. I, Zach here got me into, into the Sopranos. And I almost lost my mind. I had to switch to that package yeah, where you get crazy. like 12 DVDs. I was like, I became a, so. But that's so, one of the greatest pivots in business history. Think about it, a mail order DVD company takes huge risks, extraordinary capital, stock dove, and went into streaming TV. I mean, one of the greatest, Reed Hastings is arguably the most underrated CEO in the world. You think so? Yeah. Well, he's not mentioned in the same breath as Bezos and Cook, and he's right up there. Yeah, That's not the revenue levels. I mean, right now, they just passed 100 million customers, let's say paying roughly 10 million. So they're doing a billion a month in revenue. Um, not Certainly not at the level. I mean, I think Amazon, if I'm correct, I did the math, they're grossing like $300 million a day or something. It's a, it's that a, sounds about right. I think they're about 100, 120 billion. But what Amazon and Netflix have been able to do is that They've taken a stopping and starting business, like retail, where on January 1, you have to reinvent the business yep. and get new customers every day. Yes. And that's exhausting. That's like playing basketball. And in the 90s, software came up with this amazing business model and said, we're going to cut the price, but we're going to integrate it into your daily workflow, and you're going to pay us every year. And we're going to show the market that you renew, recurring yeah. revenue, like a gym versus a personal trainer. Yeah. And the market's value recurring revenue companies at a multiple of revenues versus a multiple of profits. Yes. So another gangster pivot was when Amazon took a non-recurring revenue business retail yeah. and took it to recurring revenue business with Prime, with Prime yeah. which is now in 62% of households. More households have a recurring revenue relationship with, Prime, with Amazon called Prime than voted in the 2016 presidential election or have a landline phone. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of interesting stats in this book. I like the one that Apple has more cash than the economy of, Jer of Denmark. You know you got a lot of money, Zach, when you're like, oh, that country? I have more money than that country. Not that, that region, not that state, that country. That yeah, that nation. Um, so as we wrap up here, I wanted to talk about 
especially for people listening that are launching business, let's talk about the losers. Mm -hmm. Because my, I had, I had uh, lunch, uh, dinner with Steve Ballmer this year. Fascinating guy, very smart, very $32 billion, owns the Clippers. But Microsoft has definitely been a loser in the game. What do you think they did wrong that allowed, because arguably they could have been in the big four now. Had they gone earlier in foray into the internet and all these things. So what's the lesson, the cautionary tale for everybody listening, that no matter how good you think you are, there's somebody ready to take you out and what do you have to watch for? Uh, so that's, that's a complicated question, but just first off, Microsoft has actually had a, a, an incredible renaissance the last two years. Yes, They're the third recently, most valuable yes. company in the world right now. So arguably, they are the fifth horseman, but I didn't write about them because they're B2B. You know, I think having the courage to reinvest and constantly reinvent yourself, staying hungry, always being paranoid, as Andrew Grove said, yeah. figuring out a way. There's some things changing. Uh, so, for example, moving to an urban center now, being yes. uh, within a bike ride. I can't think of a company that's created more than $10 billion in value in any given year that is now not a bike ride from a world-class engineering university. Mm. Technology really, really is eating the world. You need to be perceived as an accelerant for people's careers such as they show up. You yeah. have to show extraordinary financial success because I believe, and some people think this is crass, but I believe people, for the most part, go to work to provide economic security for them and their families and will always be yes. drawn to the economic winner. You have to be seen as a good citizen. You have to be seen as going global. So there's a lot of features. You see, you see companies moving away from these suburban campuses into urban centers. Yeah. There's all kinds of, I go through something called the T algorithm where I think there's eight features of companies that have a shot of getting to a trillion dollars that all these yeah. companies mostly have. They're vertical, they control the experience. Yep. Apple controls the experience with their stores. Yeah. So I work with Nike, Samsung, Rolex, P&G. I think they're all gonna have to, all gonna need to open stores to maintain their irrational margins if they wanna be. Microsoft tried, they didn't do so well. Uh, execution means everything. I was yeah. on the board of Gateway Computer. We tried and it didn't work. Yeah. But Samsung's not catching Apple with those gorgeous temples to the brand called Apple Store. Yeah. So. Oh, I know. I like that you call them temples to the brand. Yeah, that's it. That, yeah, this is, as we wrap up, let me just read this or go through this last, last part. There was one more thing. The book's interesting because at the very end, you have this chapter called The Four and You, which means it's almost like a template for success based off, and I'm not gonna, we don't have time to go through all of this, but these are the personal success factors that you need. And I, I, a, co a couple of them caught my eyes, uh, caught my eye. Get to a city. Hands down. You were talking about how important it is. Um, we're here in Los Angeles, you're in New York. Talk about pimping your career. Uh, you talked about serial monogamy in the context of get a job, you're probably not gonna stay there forever. Mm -hmm. But when you're there, focus on it. Give Don't it be all. like Tinder dating and thinking, oh, there's always a better job. And stay there as long as it makes sense. Be exceptionally loyal until you aren't. Yeah. And by going back to a city, two thirds of economic growth over the next 20 years are gonna take place in cities. When you're in a city, have you ever played tennis and rallied with someone who's better than you and your game immediately goes up? Right. When you're in a city, you're, with, you're on the court with a bunch of players that are better than you and you're just gonna raise your game. I would argue city. cities make you less happy, but they make you more money. So that's my- a decent, That's a, actually a decent a, a I decent have a couple analogy. farms I bought in Virginia. So what I do is try to rotate around. Yep. So if you can pull it off, have a house in the mountains, a house at the beach, and then go back. I go back to LA. It's almost like going back into yeah. war. Yeah, back into the Thunderdome.